Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome back to the Schools of Excellence podcast. I am so excited for today's podcast because this is a special two-part series, the 2023 ECE forecast. We have expert predictions and trends for the upcoming year. So this podcast series, this ECE forecast has actually been over a year in the making. So last year in December of 2022, I thought of this idea that I wanted to create a forecast where I can help leaders understand the trends, the predictions, the forecast, the cautions and action steps that they could take to really prepare themselves for the new year. But I only thought of the idea in December and I was like, great, next year in December of 2022, we are going to release this podcast series. So here it is, right? The coming of this amazing series. So. In this two-part series, I'm chatting with 14 childcare industry experts to help you look ahead in the key areas of your childcare and business growth. We're covering topics like operations, financials, branding, marketing, leadership, and culture. So each of these conversations is going to invite you into what these leading experts in the industry, in their field of expertise, what they're seeing, and how to prepare your business for success and excellence in 2023. Each expert answers the following three questions. What trends are you seeing? What are your predictions? And what are your action steps? And so each expert, depending on what bucket they're in, they chose a specific topic that we zero in on and they answer these three questions. Each expert speaks for about 15 to 20 minutes. And so they're bite-sized all coming together in this two-part series. Today is part one, and we are talking about operations, financials, and marketing. All right, let's dive in. In this section of operations and financial excellence, I speak with the following experts. First, I connect with Kathy Ligon, the CEO and founder of Hinge Advisors. In our brief conversation, we talk about tuition rates going up with the level of current inflation. We talk about strategies to help with rising costs without raising tuition and metrics and benchmarks to create budgets. Next, I connect with Scott Wayman, who's the CEO and founder of Kangaroo Time. We talk about businesses are getting more strategic with how to deal with their hiring crisis. We also connect on how to implement new ideas like opening your center up for casual part-time enrollment and why strategic planning is important and how to do it. Next up, I talk with Joanne Kinsel from ProCare. In our conversation, we talk about how things are getting better according to data, that attendance is getting back to normal to pre-pandemic days. 
We talk about the demand is always there for childcare centers, but it may look different with hybrid work. And we also talk about some simple ways of how to set up your staff for success. Next up, I chat with Ling, Lynn Wenger from One Place. Lynn offers just an incredibly fresh perspective for the new normal moving forward in childcare centers. We talk about how to be proactive and lean into change and how your mindset plays a significant role in this. And lastly, we talk about how to think about the end when planning and use data to guide your decision making. Lastly, I speak to Evelyn Light from Childcare Business Professionals. We talk about how to approach hiring from a very different angle, why you need to deviate from industry standards, and strategies to invest and reward your team for retention, and how doing this actually makes you more money. So let's dive into our conversation with our experts for this ECE forecast on operations and financial excellence. What are some of the trends that you are currently seeing in the early childhood and childcare space in relation to financials right now, Kathy? Really get great question. I think I see more change right now than I have in my other 38 years. Some of the things that we see are that, um, and this isn't new, however, the level to which wages are increasing to attract staff is just is, is crazy off the chart now. So we've seen that trend for about five years in the uptick in what we're paying staff in order to attract the quality of people that we want. So that trend has definitely increased. At the same time, most people are counterbalancing that um, cost of care with higher than usual tuition rate increases to balance out that mix because our, our cost of care for a lot of reasons has increased and the level of tuition that we charge parents has to increase to go along with that. At the same time, we're working with some clients to work on discounting strategies. I like the idea of eliminating or reducing discounts for things like multiple children in the same family, freer vacation days, things like that, industry discounts. And when we can do that in conjunction with tuition rate increases, we can not have to increase rates quite as much as we might have. And that usually helps serve families a little bit better. Discounts is also a hidden danger because a lot of people don't track that. They just track the amount they charge and not not the full amount minus the discount. We've also seen supply costs rise. So our, our, our costs have risen in a lot of categories like food and paper and gas. And so over the last two years, there've been a good many increases in supply costs. And I think the last thing that I would say is that there's some occupancy decreases and purely because we can't get the staff to serve the population in need. So most of our clients have longer than usual wait lists that they can't fulfill because they they literally can't hire. So that's really at a crisis level in the industry right now. Yeah, you, you, you paint quite quite a dreary picture there, Kathy. <laughs> so ideas. I know, I know, right? We're gonna we're gonna get into that. So one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I think this is such a great time for us to really understand how we really look at moments of crisis or moments of transition as opportunities. 
And so the first thing they always want to look at is data, which are the trends, right? What is actually happening on the field of play in the market? And then we want to look at, okay, what can we forecast? And typically forecasting is something that experts can do. Experts in a particular field that have looked at enough years of data, right? Because economy will typically work in cycles. And so what are you really forecasting as we enter 2023 that we could start to look at? Yeah, really good question. So first of all, like I mentioned, tuition rates have to go up. Okay. They just have to go up. So we um, historically would see three to 5% annual increases in tuition to match inflation. We're hearing more like eight to 12% this year. And even with that increase, it's really difficult to get the matchup of staff costs to tuition. So we really have to, and I think we will see rising costs. I think we'll continue to see grant monies invested in our schools from federal and state sources. I, you know, most of those are committed for another 18 to 24 months. It feels like we might see some continuity past that. One of my fears about grants is that some providers might be propping up their staff costs with grant monies. So as grant monies come in, they're using that grant funds to support their operations and not to be as aggressive as they need to when uh, they should be increasing tuition rates because the grant funds will end at some point, but this level of salary we're paying people right now won't. So I encourage people to do both, you know, obviously accept the grant funds, consider those for growth maybe in your company, because as you mentioned, a time of change like this is also a big time of opportunity, but um, be careful not to prop up your operating costs. So that's a little fear. That's a little fear. I think we will also continue this huge aggression with buyers who want to enter our industry And we saw that a little bit before COVID, but during COVID, the industry finally got that recognition that we've all known, you know, uh, how important we were to the economy and to parents and and to the workforce. And we finally got that recognition and the investment dollars that are looking to buy into the industry are larger than they ever have been. I think we'll see an even, even bigger increase there. So those are the things I've forecast for next year. So when someone's listening to this and saying, okay, there, you know, there's a couple of things that, that you're forecasting and, and like with anything, we have to be discerning about the information that we decide to take action on, that we decide to take a little bit deeper into or do some of our own due diligence and then do some more research on. And so I'm curious to hear from you based on the trends, based on some of the forecasting, how does an owner start to discern what information is relevant for me that I have to start looking deeper into or that I should look at, oh, maybe there is opportunity here for me here as well? Yes, so great question. And a couple of things come to mind. One thing is that it's critical to understand what the financial performance looks like. So to understand what discounting is costing your company to understand what your salary percent of your revenue should be, which, you know, most people start to think I'm spending too much on salaries when the answer might be you're not charging enough. So those two things go (laughs) hand in hand. So those are things to know. And just what are the metrics in the industry? I'll mention that we have a free version of a benchmark at framework by hinge.com. 
owner can just put in their license capacity and their average tuition rate and the spreadsheet will populate to show them what the average school their size would spend in each category. And even though each school is different, it's, it's a good starting point to see what you should be spending. So that's a very important thing that owners should do to um, combat the increasing wages and supplies and other costs. The other thing that's just a beautiful opportunity right now is to grow. A lot of people who have figured out the balance between their grant funding and their salaries are using grant funding to grow in some way. So maybe they add a classroom, maybe they add a whole new school, maybe they go into the public school and do their after school program, maybe they add a new element to their curriculum. So it's a really good time to change, keep your staff energized and to grow. And, you know, in a place where we will never pay staff enough money, that's been the same the whole 36 years I've been in the industry. The best way to keep staff engaged is to make them excited about their work and give them opportunities for growth. So as you grow and give them opportunities, then they help you grow. So I, I think to know the financial metrics and to consider this a great time to grow in the market are the best strategies right now. Before we wrap up with, with some action steps, I have a quick follow-up question on one of the things that you were mentioning, right? So when it comes to opportunities, I find sometimes some of the owners in the industry struggle with the project scope or the amount of budget or time and money that it takes to execute on some of these opportunities, like adding a classroom or buying another land or acquiring a feeling center next door. I'm curious if you could give some insight into what should an owner look at just from a very basic level if their company is ready to act on a particular opportunity? Yeah, in my opinion, there are two things. One thing is you need to be financially sound because if you are going to go and look for a loan or a growth partner, then you need to be able to show some solid numbers. So be sure that the core of your operations is solid. The second thing is your team needs to be ready before the opportunity <laughs> comes along. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times the biggest barrier to growth is to not have the team who's ready to grow. So you want to you want to prime your team, train your team, let them be ready to take you places you haven't been before. And those are the two most important things, I guess, along with the financial metrics, start to develop relationships with lenders. You know, most people will grow initially through SBA financing. There are a lot of resources now in real estate that will build buildings and lease it back to a provider who has shown some success in the industry. That route is really hard to go if you haven't proven success and you're just getting started. But that's an opportunity for people as well. So get build some relationships and get to know people. Yeah, I always say relationships is always the answer to everything. Always, always be building relationships. Yeah, so I want to wrap up here with what are some concrete action steps I'd love to give to owners? And then I know we also have a huge audience of directors as well. And even though many of them are not heavily involved in the financial aspect, there's still a lot um, involved in the operating, the daily operating costs. What are some action steps that you would advise our leaders? 
Yeah, so I want a leader to know five things about their company. And when I operated childcare centers, I trained my directors this way because, you know, we're educators. And when we get a, a sheet full of numbers, it looks overwhelming and we want to toss it into the bin behind us. When I say to people that there are five things that if you pay attention to these five things, you'll be 99% of the way there. Maybe occasionally you look at the others. And of these five things, you only really need to think about two of them on a daily basis. The other three can be thought about um, as you go throughout your year. But the first thing is your occupancy. So how full are you? Are you fully enrolled? And if you're not fully enrolled, no amount of cost control will get you there. And don't underestimate the power of one or two more children. And once you get to a certain place and your costs are covered, almost every tuition dollar flows to the bottom line. So there's a lot of missed opportunity in maximizing enrollment within the classroom. So occupancy is first, tuition rates is second, we're our own worst enemies, there's a fear around it, we're beautiful people, we wanna support families. Families have so many advocates, but I'm the business owner's advocate, and I want you to still be here to serve those families. So be sure that you're charging the cost of care. Don't be afraid of what everyone else in your market is charging. They might not be actual competition. Just because they serve in your market does not make them competition for you. You might have to be the market leader. And we consistently hear people go to with pretty high tuition rate increases with no loss of enrollment. So that, that's number two. Number three is discounting. What are you giving away in discount? Know what the market trends are. The market got away from free or vacation days 10 years ago. The market's now moving away from sibling discounts, industry discounts. The only one I would say don't compromise on is your staff discounts because you need that to attract people. So um, discounts is number three. Salary control is number four, but again, in, in today's world, usually it's not what you're spending for staff, as long as you're not wasting hours, so be efficient with hours, it's usually what you're charging in tuition. So that's number four. Number five is what it costs you to run your facility in the form of rent or a mortgage and know what industry specific metrics are. You should be spending a certain amount on rent at a certain revenue and know what that is and don't spend more than you should. So salaries and rent are the two biggest expense loads. And if you pay attention to those five things, you're 99% of the way there. Oh, absolutely. That, that was fantastic. Kathy, where can people go to find out more information about Hinge Advisors, the stuff that you're doing um, to help the industry? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. Our website is hingeadvisors.com. And the benchmark I mentioned is frameworkbyhinge.com. And we're happy to answer any questions or support anyone that has a need around their growth or their financial performance. Thanks so much for joining us, Kathy. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Love to hear from you, Scott. What are some of the trends that you guys are seeing from your vantage point, from Kangaroo Times vantage point? What are you guys seeing in the current early childhood market? Yeah, so there have been some interesting headwinds in the the daily operation of childcare over the last two years that that you that were an inflection created by COVID. 
So first of all, that workforce was decimated. I don't know how many owners we talked to over our portfolio of centers. The story is always, always, always the same. Hey, I have 10 classrooms. I can only open six of them. We're licensed for 150. We can all, our capacity right now is 80. So that has been the headwind, right? That's been the big resistance. That's what everybody's fighting against. What we're seeing here in the latest quarter, especially at this time, ramping into 2023, into 2022, back to school time, we did not see that traditional 11 to 12% spike that goes from August to September. We didn't see it, it was completely flat and it was almost backwards. And here's what we think, here's what we think about that trend. We think first of all, that you as the operators built some durability into the business. So, so some of the lumpiness that was cyclical, like kind of dipping in the summer, for some of you, some of you go up in the summer, but let's just talk the typical trends when you normalize over thousands of centers. You know, most, most early education businesses or delivery models will dip over the summer. We think because there was so, sort of this aura of COVID fatigue and people being slowly pulled back into the office and work life and the future of work, changing for the long haul and there being some normalization and people understanding, oh, childcare is very valuable uh, and it's nothing that's fickle. It's a standard in my life now. It's not where I unenroll my children and then re-enroll them back to school. We think this might be an outlier of a year, but this could signify some durability that's been built into the cyclical nature of childcare. So we think moving forward, you might prepare differently in that transition from July, August to quote, back to school in September. So that's been a really interesting one. Another one we've seen is the revenue per child is, is really kind of tracking with inflation. So whatever the inflation index is, our data science team has kind of shown that the average tuition per family, per child specifically, is, is starting to ramp. So it's showing that our childcare business owners are not a lagging, kind of a lagging indicator of inflation. You're, these are brick and mortar businesses, equities for you, you, those of you that are owners, and they're appreciating in value and dollar cost averaging with the line of inflation. This is just so insightful data for owners to understand because I always say data should inform decision making. And the fact that Kangaroo Time consistently sits kind of at the at the head of, of giving these insights and, and sharing these data points that really help owners make very informed, wise decisions about their centers. So really appreciate that, Scott. Tell us a little bit about what you are forecasting. The date of this release will be in early December of 2022. And so right, you know, right before the start of the, of the new year, what are you forecasting owners will be seeing in the early childhood space as we enter the new year? We have this really kind of nuanced view of the labor force. So I think everybody's been in scarcity mode for so long. And we have started to hear from our operators that that's starting to kind of free up this concept of, I, I think it's a couple of things. I think many of our operators have been put into a position to where sourcing has provided, sourcing 
personnel and employees and the workforce has become so friction filled that they have become sharper and, and it's been iron on iron exercise. You know, they've just become much better at sourcing employees. Their sourcing mechanisms are, are actually kind of like processed out. So they built playbooks and operationally, you're ready to kind of fill your classrooms. So we think that's one element. So our operators during this labor crisis, they're adjusting, we're seeing pay rates go up. The national pay rate has gone up almost $3 per hour from the beginning of COVID until now. And, and a lot of that we think is grant money that's been pulled into the system. So our operators are saying, hey, the standard of being in metropolitan, uh, or sorry, suburban Texas was $14 an hour three years ago. It's now gone to $17.25. Maybe there's something, there are just some natural performance enhancing drugs in the form of grants and stimulus money. And then maybe once that all goes away, there might be some sort of correction. We're also seeing that we're, we're coming into a time, if you look at the real estate markets, where we are starting to see a significant correction in most of the metropolitan areas. As we all know, that's the leading indicator of a recession. Technically, we are in a quote, technical mechanical recession. So that element, our operators are getting better at sourcing. We think that our operators will kind of exist instead of like at 71% of kind of employee driven capacity, they'll get closer to 90, 100% of where they want to be um, because they're getting better at sourcing. There have been some right sized elements in the workforce. People are getting paid more. Now, will enrollment and will capacity come back? And we're not seeing that yet. And we, we don't know. People are a little more staff. Like per, on average, our centers have 2.5 to 2.8 more employees per center today in, in September than they did in July. But is that an indicator that enrollment's going up? Not yet. Not yet. So, and the other thing, if you combine that with, we didn't have this kind of like slump in the summer and then this kind of up into the right revenue and enrollment motion for back to school this year, could our operators need to be thinking mindfully about how quickly they ramp up staffing as that workforce becomes more and more available? So there are a couple of things, not to be confusing. Let me just kind of break it down. One, you're gonna be hiring more people. Two, let's make sure that this, the demand side is there so that you're filling centers. And if you're hiring labor, let's be super thoughtful, right? We all know, honey, you and I talk about it all the time, to build world-class businesses, you have to have the best people. Yep. And I think we're moving from a, a very, very historic place of scarcity when it came to labor to a much better place. And this is the time to be selective and choose the best people. And in fact, I have made it my mission. I interview everybody that comes into the organization. We have more than a hundred people now. That's hard to do when you're hiring five people a week. It's hard to do. It's a lot of my time, but we want to make sure everybody's a culture fit and that we nail it because this might be the time in history where we're positioned really well 
to pull people out of the labor force and pick the best talent. So let's do it really, really well and have hyper-focus on labor force acquisition. I, I love that. There's there, And again, there's so much in what Scott shared. So feel free to pause and rewind uh, when you listen to the podcast. You know, um, sometimes you want to listen to something more than once. Like one second, let me go back and hear that. And that's that's the beauty of the show as well. So let, let's talk about this for a second when it comes to this is the time to be selective, because I do know that there is a lot of people here that uh, some people listening that are in classrooms, like they are that short staff. And so they're not being selective. They're being warm body. Get in that classroom so I can get oh, out. So talk to me a little bit about the difference between the two of them. Why do you feel like this is a time that people could be selective when some people are still struggling? Like what, I guess, what are the variables between the two of them? Yeah, I, I do think the variable comes down to the elements within like how mature the sourcing mechanism is. I, to me, it's all about focus. The operators, we do have operators and they, they, they get eye rolls because I'm at the trade shows with them when they raise their hand and they say, we don't have a staff issue and everybody groans. Everybody's like, oh God, okay. Uh, shut it up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those folks, they what and, and everybody says culture and but those folks have focus and and the ones that are doing it really really well have really tried to figure out the economics to assure that they're super competitive when fighting for talent that, that's mm. really kind of hard to come by mm. so so how they address the economics and then two like do they have the framework do you have an actual sourcing mechanism? Do you have a recruiter? Do you have somebody that's doing interviews around the clock? Somebody that you that is expendable that can help you isolate great fits um, for those bodies in the classroom, which is uh, yeah. you know is a no, terrible. You, you yeah. want to have yeah. you want to have like strategic, sharp. Um, you know you don't want you don't want hatchets. Yeah. You want, uh, scalpels you want people exactly that are, exactly that but you, you touched on something really really smart here scott that i want i want to unpack here for a second you, a, a couple seconds ago you said some of it boils down to the maturity of the system that has been put in place and i think a lot of people don't recognize how much the experience of a particular system plays into how well it's going to produce for you. So take something as simple as parenting. Like when you're a new parent, you're floundering around trying to figure every single thing out. By the time you get to the fourth kid, I don't need to ask a thousand questions about every single thing. I know what to do. Um, I've run that cycle for enough years. So tell us a little bit about when you're creating your recruitment system or whatever it is, right? Like what are those things that need to be put in place that people should probably be doing as we head into 2023 to develop more maturity and experience in their recruitment system? Yeah. So this involves two very important concepts that I talk a lot about to our team. The first one is the process of aging. So I'm 47 years old and I know today um, I started kangaroo time at 39 years old and I had such stamina. I had, I, I mean, I think I'm a pretty high IQ guy. I know I am. I, I've been told and like I tested and whatever. And um, I have ADD and I have other issues. <laughs> but, but I can feel that that IQ, that that my superpower of having a pretty good processor, it's deprecated as I've aged. And it's, it's proven as you age into your late 40s, you lose your, your, your peak ability and your peak fluid intelligence. Mm. But what you 
get, what you get is the gift of crystallized intelligence. So you learn all these things. So my wisdom and my EQ and my ability not to freak out in, in the situations I used to just sabotage myself in, those just provide so much more value. Systems like recruiting, marketing's another one, Hani. You know, no, you, no you have <laughs> acquisition strategy in motion and it just works. Yeah. Those require this concept of high fluid intelligence in the beginning, but then learning and iterating and learning and iterating. Yeah. And it can be, it's just like marketing. I mean, of course, recruitment is it marketing. Is. It is 100%. And in some metropolitan areas, like in Los Angeles, when you know I'm here in Long Beach, where I live part time, um, when we we're trying to find the best employees at Kangaroo Time in Los Angeles, we were competing for engineers against Snap, and yeah. Facebook had just built a big presence here, and there was all this like social media, all these really exciting apps, and people were kind of like, "Sorry, dude, I don't want to build your stupid effing childcare app. I'm not even a yeah. parent. I don't care about yeah. that." Yeah. But when we moved to Buffalo. The incentives and the culture was very different and we yeah. had to mature it and, and we learned very quickly that we had some adjacencies in the market and we started to double down on employees that came from software companies in Buffalo that focused on education and there was an ethos and a love there. So I just think, again, I know it's a real high level answer. It's a lot of tinkering. But that's what I love about our chat. It's a lot of tinkering and, and, and typical chats all over the place yeah. Um, yeah. and a lot of experimentation. Yeah. But it is it is a codified and yeah. dedicated process. And you I have love to that. test and measure each element. So if if you're using what's what's the hiring platform everybody uses? Why did I forget it? Indeed. Indeed. If you're using Indeed, figure out your Indeed spin. Scrutinize every dollar you spend on Indeed. Understand what your your capture rate is in between first interview and actually body in the classroom. So all of that you yeah have to science the shit out of that process. I, I love that. And you know, it's it's so interesting because 2023, my team has already started to come to me and ask me like, what's the theme for this year? What are we focusing on? And I'm like, this is the year of optimization and building assets. Um, so we're not, we're taking all of our marketing strategy, all of our product um, um, development, all of those things. And we are taking them and building those assets for real and optimizing everything. That's what we're seeing, honey, too. We just released a new product it's called drop-in care. Yes, I heard about this. So, so we understand when a parent calls in sick or says we're not coming in today, and we can send messages out to parents who are only Tuesday, Thursday, because it's Friday. Hey, if you'd like to go get a haircut, do whatever, book here, and they can book on the app. What we're finding is that conversation around supply is so critical right now because our operators they can't really because of the, the labor crisis and you know finite number of spots in their classrooms they couldn't do anything but what we could help them with and we could have the conversation around center economics starting with utilization was hey you have spots that are open you have teachers in those classrooms let's assure that you're getting value and you're democratizing 
childcare for anybody that might need it on a casual basis. So there are there are other I things that. like I love that. Yeah. looking at the economics of the business. I love that. Yeah. And there's there's so many things that a couple I know one of my clients started using that. That's why I heard about that that feature on. So <laughs> Scott, let's pull everything here full circle. What are some concrete action steps that you would really advise our leaders, maybe your top two, they need to be thinking about as we enter 2023? Yeah, I'm I'm really big. Okay, so I'm really big on strategic planning and honey, we've talked about this, but let's break it down. Strategic planning sounds like mumbo jumbo to most of us. I would like for each of our operators, the people that we serve, to start to talk about the customer journey. So what does the journey look like? Uh, the customer journey and the employee journey. Can we put on a whiteboard what the journey looks like when new families inquire? Can we start to to really analyze and understand how well we do from tour to enrollment? And can we map out those steps that, that help us all organizationally understand how delicate the flora and fauna is as we build our businesses? To me, it's so important to understand how you capture customers. It involves your brand, it involves sentiment, it involves intention. We want to understand everything in there and how can you make it better and more efficient if you can't even put it on a whiteboard and and isolate your customer journey. The other thing is the employee journey. Same thing, I've heard so many people say, we leaned into Indeed, we went to a kind of like a text messaging CRM approach, we, we've done all these things. We've gone to an applicant tracking software. Well, let's put our metrics on the whiteboard and understand where we need to improve. And by the end of Q1, as you're getting into April, May, June, uh, let's assure that you can have really mature metrics Love it. around each of those journeys. And yeah. if you do that, I, I think you'll come back and think both of us to say, okay, we did it. It seemed like it seemed like an over-the-top exercise. It seemed like we were sciencing the shit out of something that we didn't really need to science, but it will, it. it will make you better. It will make you And if you ever visit Kangaroo Tem headquarters, they have the coolest whiteboard right when you walk in. It's like ceiling to floor. It is so freaking awesome. So I love, it is my dream one day to have an office like that where I could just color everywhere. Honey, you have to our new office. We moved to to 10 times as big because we've grown so much. Same strategy, but now we have have Microsoft Surface interactive whiteboards and we have them okay. in every room. We need to get it on the calendar for 2023. I need to do. Let's I need to do, do it. Later. I would love to have you. Let's let's oh, do, it. Let's do so a dinner party. Let's have customers come. Oh, well, we need to do it. We need to do a follow-up dinner party of everyone who yeah. came to the first one, and then more people. Um, Scott, where can people go to find out more about you, Kangaroo Time, and the incredible work that you're doing in the childcare world? Thank you for the opportunity to evangelize. So, kangarootime.com. We would also love for you to join us in, on our Facebook group. Honey, you know, we don't sell to people. We want to build community. We want to hopefully, we want them to see the halo around our brand and that we have a culture of kindness and that we're here to help. And that digital group and Facebook, KT Childcare Connect is a great place to start. Join us on LinkedIn. And then Marissa and our content team, we have an entire content team. I, it's so funny. Today we were um, we were working on our product pillars and our North Star objectives. And one of the questions was like, our new education product, what should we be measuring? 
what should be our North Star metric? And I Googled childcare metrics and our content was the first thing that came up. And I was like, okay, I'll just click and read our own article. I'll read our own article. So it's great content. Please check it out. And just know that when you deal with a kangaroo time employee, yeah. dealing with somebody that is super in love with our customers and what we do, we filter, by the way, just to close this out, we filter for two things, kindness and high fluid intelligence. We want employees that will love on their customers and love on their coworkers and that are pretty smart and can get to, to problem solving pretty quickly. Love it. Love it. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. Always, always love connecting with you. And thank you for sharing your insights, your data, and your wisdom with all of us. So I'd love to dive right into the goal of, again, this ECE forecast is all about understanding the trends in the landscape right now in early childhood. And by trends, not like the hot new trends, but really about what is happening currently in the market, boots on the ground, what's happening in our childcare centers. What are we forecasting for 2023? Because we all know when we understand the forecast, we can make better, wise decisions about what's to come and practical action steps uh, for all of our leaders. So I'd love to hear from you, Joanne. What are some of the trends or kind of practices that you're seeing right now from your vantage point in the early childhood centers? Yeah, so we're now two years, two and a half years, actually, past when we were starting to experience all of the closures and and centers just really having to to adapt and and be flexible. We at ProCare have monitored attendance levels and compared back to February of 2020 during Mm -hmm. that two and a half year period and are really seeing 92% was the most recent and, and that was in May we always have some seasonality in, in the summertime. So we're really looking forward to seeing the September and expecting that it's going to be back to 100%. In some wow. cases, it could be greater as demand continues to show up across the country. I love that. So just a lot more enrollments, like full centers. I know most of the clients that I connect with have giant wait lists that they can fulfill due to lack of staffing. But tell us a little bit more of the insights and data that you guys are seeing in ProCare. This is one of the things I love about software is the data. Like the data doesn't lie. Numbers don't lie. They tell us a great story. So so tell us what else you're seeing. So in addition to the attendance and, and the levels getting back to normal, we also have new data across the market, including ProCare, but even more broadly, um, some third-party data Mm. that was looking at the closures that did happen. So closed and closed permanently. And through our own data and with the third-party data, we definitely have seen that it is more of the home-based and the smaller businesses that closed and did not reopen and and for a variety of reasons sure. but the traditional child care standalone centers have really shown a lot of resiliency is there some data points as to why they've been able to have that level of resiliency during that really challenging time you know i, I think when i first joined the industry many years ago i i was curious about even recessionary periods and mm. and how did did the child care industry react to all of that. And and I think it just really shows that the economy needs childcare centers and and the demand is going to be there. The demand was there in mid 2020 when we knew our essential workers have care as well. Um, And, and, you know, it, it, it looks a little bit different 
today, uh, you know, with hybrid work. I, I think that it's different and it will play out. I don't think that we're back to normal and, and I don't think that we will return to normal because um, with hybrid, many parents need to find care closer to home yes. versus office or they need the flexibility that they might want two different, you know, cares yeah. maybe under the same umbrella. Well, I think people have really, you know, when we think of this, the disruption, people um, have really thought about their quality of life and what they're really looking for. Esther Perel, just uh, an amazing uh, psychotherapist out of New York, she talks about how uh, crises are relationship accelerators. And so anytime there is a crisis, it's going to accelerate any relationship. So my relationship with work, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with money, it's going to accelerate how I feel about it. So either it's yes, I'm all in, I got to get my kids in childcare, they need to be in the best schools, or I'm out, I'm homeschooling, right? So there's all of these accelerators that really happen during that time period. So I'd really love to hear from you. You guys are really great at looking at data points, right? Like this is what happened here, this is what happened now. How can you help us forecast what childcare leaders should be looking at as we enter 2023? It's the wait list, as you mentioned earlier, as well as the parents' expectations and, and how the parents' expectations have changed as well. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things that we you know, quickly rolled out, we've always had the contactless payment component in our solutions, but the percentage that we're now parent contact versus you know, not touchless sure. uh, methods as well. And our contactless check-in and check-out. So we quickly rolled that feature out because parents weren't allowed into the centers. Into the so building, yeah. In, yeah. in addition to phone barcode, we also have a geofencing. If centers want to allow parents to, to check in when they're close to the center, not necessarily having to come to the door you know, and scan that barcode as well. It's fantastic, right? And I, isn't it amazing what technology has evolved from even from 10 years ago, like what, what that looks like now. So when I think of a forecast, I always like to look at it from the perspective of how the forecast helps me make decisions, right? So when I go to my CFO and I'm like, show me my cash flow forecast, show me what's going on um, with my numbers. And the reason I'm asking her for that is not just so I can know the numbers, but the numbers will tell me a story, which will then inform the decisions that I'm going to make inside of my business. And so I would love to hear from you, based on some of the forecasts that you're looking at, what kind of decisions should childcare leaders be making based on what's coming, based on the forecast that you're looking at? As far as, and I speak to technology a lot because sure, that's sure. what we provide, yes. making it, we talked a little bit about hiring challenges for many of the reasons I, I um, can appreciate uh, the other guests that you had that spoke about the just anytime there's crisis and it's your workers, but it's your parents as well. And so making sure that you're providing for both in tools and technology and meeting them where they are. Many parents want, are wanting to know what their children you know, are doing throughout the day. So the real time, the digital experience of, of their education, which includes you know, the curriculum and what you're teaching, as well as all of the other things that you're doing throughout the day and making sure that your staff and your teachers 
are able to provide that information seamlessly so that they can focus on the things that they need to focus on as well, not writing it down on a clipboard. Um, And and so really, we still, through, through market studies, believe that there are four out of 10 childcare centers are still using manual methods. Four to four four and a half are still not using center um, management software. So really looking at that from an investment perspective. We also know that costs have increased and pay has increased and parents are willing to pay, you know, to, to make sure that they have the best care and education for their children and it's really hard for business owners, especially the small business owners, to increase their tuition. And a lot have a hard time. So you talk about going to your CFO and asking for the numbers. It's making sure that you have enough revenue to cover the costs as well. So yeah. you know, really looking at technology is helping to eliminate costs and efficiency versus it's an extra expense. So let, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, because when when we start to prepare for a new year, and I know this is the way that I like to train our clients, is we have to understand the commitments that we're going to make. Like, what are the big projects that we're truly going to undertake in the new year? Software migration, whether you're moving from one software to another, or in general, just software upgrade, you're moving from your pen and paper to software, is a project. It is a year. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this, a software migration is not two weeks. It is not four weeks. It is a year. It takes time to learn it. It takes time to train your people. It takes time to get acclimated. It takes time to create it into a habit. So my question to you is, if someone is thinking about, yeah, I should probably, you know, do this, what are the things that are really red flags? You're like, yes, you need this. Like, let's have a conversation about using a software for their center? So the first red flag, unfortunately, is if you have a surprise audit and, you know, and they come in and they ask to see the teacher and and child ratio and you have to go to the closet and you have to, you have to find the box from from March, 2021. So, so when you say red flag, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I've I've heard and I've seen, you know, regulators refer uh, centers to to ProCare. So, but really, if you're having a hard time retaining staff mm-hmm. and really understanding, you know, is it because it is it is just so burdensome and and the burnout is real? And so, how can we using technology help with that? I talked about the integrated curriculum and being able to have a substitute teacher come in and pick up and not lose any momentum. And the children are really the ones that are the center and and making sure that it's not disruptive for them and their care and education. So if you're finding that you're still working until seven o'clock at night because you're having to tally this or get ready for tomorrow with curriculum and, and what we're doing in this classroom, those are really the signs where You're right. It's not a two week. We do have a very large implementation and support and account management team to help with that. Making sure that you know that it's not two weeks, you will have to carve out time, but you can carve out that time because you're starting to become more efficient. That you might have to work until six or seven as you're implementing, 
but then you can go back to a normal work day because your, yes. your processes are just so much more efficient. Yeah, I say this to people all the time. If, you, if the year of your software migration, whatever year you decide to do, whether it's 2023 or maybe you did it this past year, is the year you also have to say no to a lot of other projects. So there's no remodeling of the playground the same year you're doing software migration. I'm sorry, you're not God. You can't do all the things. Like, you got to choose. So software is such a huge part of peace of mind going to sleep at night, knowing that the things are where they need to be. And it's really, I call it just the positive power of that level of preparation. I think about all the different people and the levels of preparation that they have, whether they're in combat or they're, you know, Air Force pilots or they're working in the canine unit, they train and train and train. So in that moment of crisis, they're ready to go. Your software is a huge component of your training. You have everything in order. So if there's an audit, if there is this, if you're okay, you're okay. That is the level of peace of mind that really good software really brings into play. So I love that. Thank you, Joanne. So I'd love to kind of move here into some action steps, right? There's always so many things that we could do and want to do. What are your recommendations of what our childcare leaders should be doing um, as we enter the new year? So I would say, first of all, make sure that you have set up your team members for success. And many things, it's culture, it's making sure that your hiring practices are thought through and followed, but it's also making sure that they can do more with less mm -hmm. stress. So, mm -hmm. so tying back in, tying back in from a technology perspective. As you were talking about, and I agree, you can't remodel, you can't, uh, you, you can't do a lot of other things. There's probably somebody on your staff who has skills that can help with this project. Absolutely. So many of the younger employees in the workforce grew up with technology. Sure. So although it, it's a major investment from a time time perspective, form a form a team to help that. with it as well. So it's not just on one person's shoulders and all of that stress. It doesn't yeah. have to be the director individually doing that. And there's always a team within the software provider that is there to assist as well. So um, I love that. Such a great, yeah. such great advice, Joanne. Thank you. The last thing I want to ask you here is the, the, our industry has been disrupted a lot and really thrown on its head and thrown back into the washing machine and back out again. And yet I still feel like there's been some timeless struggles, staffing, enrollment, kind of all these things, no matter the stage or kind of the state of the world or their economy, those these these issues exist all the time. And so I'd love to hear from you from a mindset perspective, if you can help our owners just from that perspective, where can they find some hope or some just mindset shifts to pull themselves out of the new cycle of the doom and gloom and knowing that it's it's going to be okay? Well, I, I do think, and I, I agree, some, some of... Some of the things that we're talking about today have been around. I think the last two years have provided yes. the platform for others to become aware. I, I, mm, think the, yeah. I think the essential workers needing care was one of the first eye-opening to a, a lot of legislate, you know, later across the country as well. There is money that still has not been put to work as well. Sure. So sure. really, and, and you may have already covered this on, on, on another um, podcast, 
making sure that you know what yeah. is available within your state and make sure that you're tapping into those resources that are available for you. Um, yeah. ProCare is committed to continue to help make your lives easier and definitely here to help in any way. It will get better. I think the awareness is just the start. We're yeah. not there. It will yeah. be a journey, but definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel um, for some of the struggles that they're experiencing. So Joanne, where can people go to find out more about ProCare and the work that you're doing in the childcare world? So we have our website, ProCareSoftware.com, and there are ways to contact us on that yeah. site as well. Yeah. So across, we, we have a team of, of 400 that um, is here to help and in many different ways. If you contact through one channel and they don't have the answer, they'll get you to the right person. So awesome. Um, and we'll have the yeah. link to your website inside of our show notes and you guys could go check it out. Just Google ProCare also, and I'm sure you'll find any of the information you need there as well. So thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne, for joining us. Yeah, and, and I would just like to really, in closing, just a quick thank you to all of the childcare heroes that are listening. You're essential to making our economy run, and ProCare is so grateful for the work you do every single day. What are some of the trends or some of the patterns that you're noticing inside the industry now from your perspective and vantage point? Sure. Thank you for the invitation to share this. I would say that probably the biggest trend is people are willing to look at their businesses in a fresh perspective. They're coming up out of their foxholes. They're looking at what does it look like going forward? And we all know that that's about optimizing your processes. How have you been doing things? Taking a fresh look, taking that deep breath that you talk about and say, what might this look like? What could be better or different? So that's probably the number one thing that I've seen this past year. And there's lots that we can unpack around that, what's driving it. What is driving this level of awareness right now? This isn't a new concept. This isn't a new need in businesses, right? There's always a need to optimize and look at processes. Why is there an awareness of this need currently? So we all know COVID caught us a little bit by surprise and we don't want to park too long there, but certainly COVID caused us to say we can no longer have intuitive processes. We can no longer be intuitive about how we run our business. Yes, intuition belongs in the equation, but it's suddenly come to a different place of let's look and say, what could be, how can we optimize this, digitize this? This is what we live and breathe. So you're going to hear about that from our lens. The other thing that is driving this is the human resource war. That's the term that you're hearing more and more, which is we're competing for resources. And how do we make sure that those that we're hiring, that we give, we help them be the best that they can be with the best quality, with the best outcomes. And as an owner, we're also needing to look at how do we reduce liability, mitigate risk. So that's another thing that's driving this. And then the third area is Sorry to say, but change is not optional. <laughs> For those of us that are, are here, we've come up out of our foxholes and said, how do we thrive and get beyond just trying to survive? And then not to say that it's not still a difficult climate, but it's the trend I'm seeing is let's lift our heads up out of the foxhole and say, what does this need to look like going forward? So 
I, I love these questions because I find that a lot of people are waking up, right? To just to use that terminology, right? Where they're starting to just question the way that they've operated until now. Is this what I really want? Is this giving me the best quality of life? Is this the is this part of my legacy? Is this how I want to spend the next five years or 10 years of my life? And so what I love about so much of what you do is understanding what the data is telling us and then using the data to make informed decisions. And this is basically what this whole series is about is understanding data points from different perspectives in business, in childcare, and then using that information to make some good decisions for the future. Even though no one can truly fully predict the future, we're going to do the best that we can to kind of forecast. So from your perspective, Lynn, what are you forecasting leaders need to work on, focus on, and look at as they enter 2023? So as I was thinking about 2023, what I often look at is what's happening outside of early education, because we can take our cues from that and apply it. So in a recent Forbes um, study, they were looking at what's happening and digitizing processes was one of the top priorities. So if I can just take a moment and talk about what those 10 benefits of digitizing are that get back to your point about data. And I don't think any of us would disagree that this applies to ECE, but I'll yeah. quickly um, crank through them and I'm gonna read them. Please. Increased efficiency and productivity, better resource management, more resilience and agility, uh, better digital presence, improved customer engagements, increased responsiveness to business needs, greater innovation, faster time to market, increased revenue opportunity, increased transparency and visibility. So I ask you, Hani, as we look at the forecast, do any of these not apply to early education? Of course they do. Every single one of them does. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. So, yeah. but we also, so from a forecasting perspective, I think what's happened in parallel with your very first question is what are the, the trends? What are we seeing currently is we are stepping up as an industry to run our businesses as a business. And yes, it's about the children, but those 10 things I just mentioned are vital to how we ensure that we don't just survive, but we thrive. And you and I share something in common, which is we're all about excellence. So schools of excellence, and we talk about at One Place Childcare, centers of excellence and multi-site masters. So what do they have in common? What I see that they have in common is they're looking at data, as you mentioned, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but yep. they're looking at data. They're also looking at continuous improvement and they're mm -hmm. not satisfied with the status quo. So they're looking at what could we, we be doing better or differently. So with that, we can no longer afford to operate in our paper-based system. So forecasting is our paper will still have a place but all those 10 things that we just talked about, that cannot be done by paper alone. So you absolutely need to be digitizing. And that's what the thrust of this article was about, sure. are the trends in the across industries, but more so even in our industry of how can we be centers of excellence, schools of excellence, multi-site masters, and digitizing processes and procedures and systems is really a trend for 2023 where it's no longer gonna be optional. Mm. So here's here's the thing. Whenever I look at 
the future kind of forecasting or like, here's what you need to think about, or even, you know, I, I don't think people have been more prepared for a recession ever. I, I feel like we've been talking about the economy for months now, like everyone, like usually a recession really creeps up on people like in 2008, 2009, or the recession beforehand. And while we know that the economy works, works in, in cycles, I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. And yet, even with a ton of forewarning um, and forecasting, people still don't take action, right? People still do whatever they want. And then like when something they're like, oh, that was surprising. That just creeped up on us from nowhere. So can we talk a little bit about the mindset for a moment? Yes. Because, you know, when, when I, I love jamming with you on mindset stuff. How do we help leaders cultivate the mindset of understanding when is now? You know, you and I talk about this all the time. Like, when are you going to do? Well, when is now? How do we cultivate that mindset and stop saying when the crisis happens, then I'll deal with it? So this is this is a loaded question and we're probably going to go beyond our time. But if I could boil it down to something I've been studying is a golden triangle. And I had recently hosted a, a webinar around this and the golden triangle is around people, process, and technology. Mm-hmm. So again, it's getting people engaged in the process. It's getting, so people engaging in the process and then technology is a tool. So it's really stepping up as a leader saying, like I said, what we're looking at for next year, but begin with the end in mind. Where are we excelling? Where do we have gaps? How do we get in our, our staff engaged? And have them talk with you about this conversation so that you, they can buy into it and help define it. So I, I don't think there's a perfect answer to that, Hane, because sure. it's- well, it, I it, never want a perfect answer. Yeah, I want an answer. And that's where it's our room to grow as an industry. Yeah. But I also see that, again, if you start with the people, the process and the technology, because we are in a shortage of staff, we have to have processes and technology to support it. Having said that, listening into your content, which is why we love each other and work together, you also talk about, but don't forget, you can have all those perfect things in place, but you also have to have the ability to act in a crisis or act where it's not in a manual or it's not in the technology or not in the checklist. So it's, but what I think you and I can agree on is if you have the people process and technology, those infrastructures in place, it gives you yeah. that mind space to be able to think yeah. when the bread's in the oven and you need to run and go take <laughs> care of it. Or if there's if there's a teacher that calls out, it's that mind space because you've got the rest of it under control. So you can say, all right, we're going to triage. Yeah, this is such a beautiful point that I'll kind of close around mindset. And then I want to go to the next question is that when the standards and processes and checklist and compliance is in check, you freed up capacity to start using your brain in a different way, to practice discernment in a different way. But when everything is a mess, the brain can't even elevate the way that you want to be thinking. So I really love the way that the two worlds really uh, come together in that how do we create space, right? I talk so much about space and mental space and mindset space. Some of the ways that we create that space is through building these strong foundational pillars. So I I love that. What else are you forecasting? What else are you kind of looking at for 2023? Well, again, the people and the ability to find people, that's not going away. 
And so we already know that. Yeah. Um, as far as, so what do you do about that? We have to sit in that uncomfortable space that you've talked about of we're not going to suddenly have a, a full room ready of people who are getting ready to be interviewed. So that's something that we have to kind of sit with. So what do you do to address that problem? And this gets back to how can you make sure that you have systems in place to quickly onboard people? How do you make sure that you have systems in place that you can ensure that they're meeting your expectations, both from a quality perspective, as well as they feel part of it, that they belong, there's a sense of belonging. So when you invite them to participate in that process of their onboarding and the 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, we no longer can do six month check-ins, annual reviews. That's been whoop, shortcutted. <laughs> I also see with that, and there's a lot of conversation around this, is how do we compensate staff? And this whole idea of bonuses, it's not bonusing them to stay with you. It's bonusing them because they're meeting and exceeding expectations. And that can be, I have schools that do this on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, half year, annual, but the whole idea of having, and I, we've not seen this in the, until this past year, having scorecards that are really concretely, objectively saying, where are we meeting targets and where are the gaps? And the staff is involved with that. So that's another trend I'm seeing and something that's going to go 23 and beyond. Oh, that's for sure. Absolute. For sure. For sure. So what are some action steps that you can leave our owners with, right? The, the whole goal of this series was for people to understand the trends, understand the forecast, and leave with some really great action steps from each of our phenomenal experts. So what are some of your action steps, Lynn? I would like to start with don't complicate it. <laughs> Great action step. So the first is don't complicate it, just kind of step back. And I've been this past year myself and the way I work with clients and some of the guests that I have on my uh, webinars is let's begin with the end in mind. So a simple step for 2023 is let's begin with the end in mind. So as we've talked about in other sessions, what would be better or different and how will I know? Mm -hmm. And the specifics of that I would recommend is you do things in your center that provide you incredible insight. We talked about data. So I'm going to say data is did it happen or not? Information becomes, and we recommend you look at data, information. Information says how well did it happen? Knowledge then says are there gaps? What could we be doing better or differently? And then the wisdom says, how do I replicate this across my staff, across my classrooms, across my schools? And I would really boil it down to that simple mm. is just saying, begin with the end in mind, look at data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Take that and then map it back to your school to say, what am I doing today? How are we doing this today? What could I be optimizing? What could I be digitizing? One place can help you with that, but it's really stepping up out of that foxhole and saying, big picture, where do I want to be? And once you have that information, honey, it says, what am I going to measure and how will I know it? It sounds so simple, right? Because you started with don't complicate it. So it sounds so simple the way you said it, like, oh, okay, that's a very simple question. What will I measure and how will I know it? The invitation here is to take what Lynn just shared with you and really 
write down those questions in a journal, in an empty piece of paper, and give yourself permission to dream. Give yourself permission to answer. Give yourself permission to not have the, fr the first answer is usually not going to be the right one or right for you. So give yourself the freedom to explore, to journal, to craft. And then Lynn, where can people go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing inside of the early childhood world? They can go to oneplacechildcare.com. That's the number one, oneplacechildcare.com. But I also want to let them know there are lots of free resources out there. We have things on our blog, for example, inspect your blueprint. What is your house built on? Prepare to grow or sell. Data overdrive. How do you graduate from spreadsheets? Performance metrics. Just become a student of how to do this better continuous improvement so that you can be a center of excellence or a multi-site master. We have resources, but just continue to consume the knowledge that's out there. And the other thing that I would close this on is what I've also noticed this past year is we are beginning to share best practice. All of us are beginning to share best practice more than we ever have before. You get early educators in a room and it's like, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? It's no longer this competitive mindset. Of course, you're trying to protect your school and your demographic, but there's been this mindset of how can we help each other be better so that we can not only survive, but thrive. And that's, that's going to continue. And we're building out best practice libraries that people can come and take free content. That's what we're here for. I love that. I love that. Really just committed to elevating the whole industry. So I love that. Lynn, thank you so much for being here with us today. All right, honey. Thank you. So let's dive right in here. I want to kick us off with, tell us a little bit about some of the trends that you are currently seeing in the job market. We all know that I think I've heard this as long as I've been in the industry and probably even before, it's so hard to hire, it's so hard to hire, I can't find quality staff, where do I find good people? It's kind of almost the tantrum of the school leader. So tell us a little bit about some of the trends that you've been noticing over the last uh, you know, two to three years or so. Right, well, and I, I wanna speak to first the notion that it's so hard to hire because it really isn't. It's how we approach hiring that is the biggest problem in our industry, right? I don't have a hard time hiring and I'm a childcare center owner and I have people waiting in line to work for me, but that started before, right? It's the culture I've set up, my branding, my reputation. So for anyone out there who thinks, oh my gosh, it's so hard, it doesn't have to be. That is something that you've created and you can overcome it. And I know that in our society today, it is hard and you see help wanted signs everywhere, but it doesn't have to be that way. My favorite topic to teach on this is if you look at, um, and over here on the West Coast, we have this place called Dutch Bros, best coffee. And I don't drink coffee, but I love their teas and stuff versus Starbucks. Sure. Every Starbucks you go to, there's help wanted signs and they pay very well and they have really great benefits. Then you go to Dutch Bros that pays anywhere from three to $5 an hour less than Starbucks, but they are not having a hard time hiring at all. And mm. I actually interviewed one of the managers at Dutch Bros and asked him why this is. And he basically said, well, look, wouldn't you want to work here? It's so fun. It's like the culture they created makes it yeah. so people want to work. 
So that's just my first thing I'll talk about, which doesn't really yes. have to do. No, with no, no. Me. This is this is great because I want to actually touch on you know every person on this you know 2023 ECE forecast is really talking about the trends that we're seeing, what we're forecasting for 2023, and the action steps you can mm -hmm. take. So I actually love what you just said here. How you kicked us off that. I think there's a trend to complain about yes. hiring. Yes. I think that it's not it's just about, the, yeah. exactly. So can we talk about that for a moment? Like yeah, where absolutely. has this trend of complaining about hiring come from? It's almost like we find peace or comfort in the complaining yes. that I can't find hiring. Talk well, a little bit about that. absolutely. Our industry has this victim mentality that mm -hmm. we have to get out of. Um, I am so passionate about this. I actually trademarked the term ECE revolution because mm -hmm. it is time for us to change who we are as an industry. We have this victim mentality that we can't pay enough, that we're not seen as professionals, that we're not respected by K through 12, that parents can't afford to pay it. We have all these excuses that we have come up with to make ourselves this victim. And then we tell ourselves, well, we can't hire because, and here comes the excuses. So when we leave that victim mentality and we start thinking, okay, well, what can I do to overcome these things? Then you go from being a victim to a victor and suddenly things fall into place. I used to live in a victim mentality. I used to, my center was like a revolving door where I felt like I couldn't keep children and I couldn't keep staff. That is not the case. I now have a 1300 child wait list and I have people lining up to work for me. And that's because honestly, I changed how I saw my center. And then I took action to level up my center to be that professional place that I know it is. So one of the things I, I like to ask my client is if you want to be seen as a profession, if you want people to want to work for you, you have to act like it. You have to be the leader that people want to work for. Yeah. So it's really that mindset shift. Stop being a victim. We are not victims. We can be victors. But that being said, I do think we're going to see a huge trend. And I think we're already seeing it happen when it comes to hiring. Right now, unemployment is at about a 3% rate it's predicted that it is going to spike in 2023 to over 5%. So we will see people looking for jobs again, and we will go back to that place where it really won't be as difficult because people are going to need jobs. So tell it. Yeah. So what, what we're, what's trending right now is you're seeing a real staffing shortage. People are really struggling. People are really struggling. Right. But I mm -hmm. feel like we can have this conversation in 2018 and 2016 and 2012 yes. and 2010. And I can have this conversation again with you in 2050. And, you know, we'll still be kind of talking about this thing as long as we consent to it being a trend. Uh -huh. So yes. when you're looking at forecasting, your for like part of the job forecast is and unemployment will be rising to at 5%, like you were saying. So people are going to be hunting for jobs. Yes. So how does this forecast really impact the childcare space? Um, what does the owner and leader need to be looking at when they look at this data of what's coming? Well, I think it puts us in a great position to leverage. And I think when you, from the business world, which I love to engross myself in, everything for 2023 sounds like doom and gloom, right? Oh my but God, yes. Yes, it does, right? But what a lot of people don't understand and really haven't grasped is that the greatest wealth and the greatest success is actually born through recessions. 
Yes. It's the people who don't stay with trends. So what I have to say to ECU leaders is stop following the industry standards. Yeah. (laughs) EC, our industry standards are not working anymore. And that's a wonderful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. And if we start following the trends, right, the great resignation is a great thing. People decided that they were going to demand more out of their employers. And don't be fooled. It doesn't have anything to do about money. So all of you owners out there who think, oh, I can't afford. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with your quality of life. And Connie, you know, Mandy, we talked about who works for me now. She came to work for me in my coaching company. She left a very successful eight-figure company making a very high wage because she wanted something that she really believed in to Mm. work for. And so she, she took a pay cut to come work for me. She left a very successful, very prestigious eight-figure company to come help me because she believed in the vision and the mission of the work I do. That is the key. And that is where we can really lean into this in early childhood education. What better industry is there to speak to the fact that people want a mission to work for? We are prime. And honestly, this is one of our times to shine. This is like one of the best times for us because we can show off who we are and we can attract the best of the best because money and what used to be has become secondary to fulfilling your life's mission and the quality of your life. So if you really focus on those things and stop lying to yourself and tell you it's about how much you can afford to pay, you're going to be fine. So some of the things that you're forecasting is there's going to be less of a like hiring desperation. There's Mm -hmm. going to be more of a pool to choose from. Yes. I think some of the other things that you're sharing with us is, and honestly, I don't believe, I believe that the ECE's recession was actually March of 2020 when everything got shut down. Oh yeah. That was our recession. I agree. I believe we're actually coming out of, um, yeah. Yeah, I believe we're coming out of our recession right now um, and the rest of the economy is heading into something, but I don't look at the news cycle, so I have no idea what's going on. But when we're looking at, so an owner saying, okay, fine, I'm going to have more candidates to choose from, but I'm still struggling with hiring because someone will come in, but then Wendy's next door will offer them 25 cents more an hour and now they're gone. Or, you know, this person comes in and they won't show or they're interviewed. So talk to us a little bit about the forecast when it comes to this kind of stuff, is that changing or that is an internal game? It's already changed. I think that's already changed. And we have to be looking at that internally. And if you look at the prices of everything out there, I think what we're going to see happening is a lot of people... Honestly, Wendy's is so expensive right now. Oh, I don't even know. I don't need at Wendy's. Oh I'm just like, <laughs> I have. Well, yeah, my young, my, my actually, my youngest son's girlfriend works at Wendy's. Ironically. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's it is so expensive. Like for two people to eat at Wendy's, you're looking at a minimum of $25 in my region. And it's what's going to happen and what we're seeing happen is that we go through a recession. That means people are going to be spending less money. That means Wendy's is also going to cut back. And we're already hearing so much of employers cutting back, which means that those higher paying jobs aren't going to be as available. But beyond that, that shouldn't even still, even with that being said, that shouldn't matter. If you are clear on what you do as an EC professional, if you're working towards something that is bigger than you, and you know how to message that, 
people will take a job at five dollars an hour less. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because it's not about the money; it's about the quality of their life. It's about going to bed at night knowing you made a difference, yeah. right? And if yeah. you know how to really message that, and if you know your center, who you are, and what your mission is, and what your vision is. And you're really good at letting the rest of your community know as well. People want to work for you. They want to be a part of that. I have people in both my companies that I own always trying to work for me all the time. I get at least once a week someone saying, I really want to work for you. And it's because I'm really, really good at letting everybody know what oh, I stand for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think quality of life, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're describing kind of this really self-actualization part yes. of you know, purpose and meaning. But I think quality of life really also very much comes into, I don't want extra stress in my life. Yes. I don't want all of this. It's not about responsibility. No. Like people are okay with responsibility. They don't want the stress, the toxicity, the like running on the hamster wheel. And so I think the other thing, when what you're saying when it comes to the job market is reassess what you're expecting of the team because you yes. might have a reputation that precedes you that you are a stressful company that you yes. are a company that is an obsessive hyper growth mode that's always growing and growing and growing and so there's no time for rest yep the no prior so talk to that for a minute absolutely you have to know your values and then align like one of the things i like to teach my people is you hire based on character and values i yeah. do not care what a resume looks like but employees are now looking and they want to work for people based on character and value as well. But if, so you need to know your character and your values. So what's we've seen happen is that has become just this really big shift in our culture where people are looking for value-driven jobs. And so exactly what you're saying is when you have a reputation of just being hard, of not putting family first, So you may have to look at your policies. You might have to adjust to be more family friendly, Uh, you know, and a leader really should, right? A leader, you you should be looking at, okay, we are at childcare. So if a mom needs to call in and can't be there because their child has strep throat, we can't give them a hard time about that. We are childcare. We talk the talk of like family first, but when it boils down to it, do you really do it? Yeah. Right. We say things like we're family first. You can't be a family first company if you have 12 projects on the Mm -hmm. docket. That's not a family first company. That's a company that you're telling people you have to answer the phone during a dinner date. You're going to have to answer the phone during bedtime because if not, the work doesn't get done. So it's, it's such a values mismatch. And also just really watching and understanding your staff. Like one of the things I put into play last year that um, would probably shock most people is I actually gave my staff, every person in my staff gets a mental health day every month. And so I basically get them an extra 12 paid days off a year just to take care of their mental health. And I've told them like, this isn't like, this is just an extra day for you. Drop your children off with us, right? Because a lot of our parents or our teachers have children and just go take care of yourself. That's it. And then I've given them opportunities to earn even more days. Some of my staff get 40 paid days off a year. And I know some of the owners out there listening are thinking like, I can't afford that. But let me tell you, I when I was in that victim mentality, I used to tell myself, I can't afford this. It's so expensive. And what I didn't realize is that when you invest in things like your staff, like high quality practices, it actually makes you more money. Sometimes spending oh money God, makes you more money. Big yep. time. 
And so you might think, but now you have this stellar staff that is mentally healthy. So they're not grumpy all the time. They're not dropping the ball. They're not, they are all, they're A-level staff members. I mean, I've gotten to the point where like my own director and um, for me as well, we never closed during COVID. We worked the whole time. And the stress and trauma of that really took its toll. So I actually am giving her a week off every month. I pay her to take a week off because first of all, she's worked for me for 15 years. I know her value, right? You've got to know your staff's value. Secondly, I know I need to take care of her mental health so she can show up as the best director she could possibly be, right? And will it last for her? No. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I'm, I'm do the same thing for my Michelino is my, you know, right-hand person after our big event, she gets a full week paid off. Um, and I'm actually paying for her vacation this time around. I'm sending her to, uh, to Banff, uh, to the mountains, like fully paid one week vacation. So not only is she taking the week off, I'm actually paying for her vacation. I'm doing the um, same thing. I'm sending Brandy to Florida. She gets I a week in Florida. That. Oh my God. See, this is why we're friends. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm paying for her vacation because I'm yeah. like, you are such a valuable team member and employee yes. in my company. I need to constantly invest in your mindset and your peak performance and your mental well-being because I want you to be healthy. Yep. I want to take care of you. I love that. So let's wrap up here because we're ready right here at the uh, top of the hour. What are those two to three action steps that you want owners to take? And then where can they go to find out more information about you? Okay. So, okay. So the first thing I would say is really work on your mindset. You have to level up you growth, development, level up your mindset. I do free mindset videos every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you follow me, I do have free just to help you grow. And the other thing is really know your vision, your mission, and really take control of your company's culture. Become that place that people are proud to work at. If once they, once your staff is proud to work for you, it becomes contagious and other people will want to work for you as well. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And the third thing I would say is really watch who you surround yourself with. One of the best sayings I love is that you are the five people that you surround yourself with, right? So look at who are you following on social media? What groups are you in in social media, right? I see so much negativity in these Facebook groups. It's ridiculous. I deleted half of them because people are just so negative. Follow things like you and me and people who are uplifting positive and professional so you can up level as well it's very important i love that evelyn where could people go to find out more information about you and what you're doing in the world well you can find um my website is childcarebusinessprofessionals.com or evelyn knight official i am everywhere TikTok, youtube if you just look up evelyn knight childcare you'll find me all over on social media or um, i also have a podcast the child care business coach podcast and all those links are in the show notes for those that are listening you guys will be able to catch up on all of those great In this section of marketing, I chat with a couple of amazing experts. First up, I chat with Chris Murray from the Childcare Success Academy. We have a very interesting conversation where we talk about why wages are changing and rising and why you need to meet this change. We also talk about how to use professional development and free apps to help your own and your team's mental health and emotional well-being. We talk a lot about mindset in this brief conversation, as well as tactics to always be hiring and how to retain staff with top talent. This is a phenomenal conversation with Chris. 
Next up, I chat with Nick Williams from Childcare Business Growth. In our conversation, we talk about how to leverage social media and why video is important in your marketing strategy. We also talk about how to discern quality content to connect with your audience using storytelling and not worrying about the judgment from others. Some really interesting insights in here. You'll definitely want to listen to this one. We also talk about using advertising as a tool for your marketing and knowing that not everyone is your audience. All right, let's dive into the marketing section of the ECE forecast. Tell us a little bit about some of the trends that you are currently seeing in the early childhood childcare space right now that it's not so much trends of like what's popular, but more what are the patterns? What are people seeing? Um, and what have you noticed specifically? Mm-hmm. So there's two main trends around um, hiring and around our labor force right now in the world of early learning. And the first trend is an increase overall in early learning teacher wage scales and all labor wage scales in an early learning uh, setting. So leaders who are stubbornly keeping their wages low because they haven't figured out how to financially deal with the requirement of today's labor market to raise those wages to be market competitive are really struggling and suffering right now, Connie. And um, so that's the first trend is that we guide and teach people how to raise their wage scales to be competitive and then how to figure out the financial piece so that they can still be successful and profitable. So that's number one. Number two is that there's more uh, focus than ever. Positive school culture, collaborative school culture is more important than it's ever been because today's teachers and just today's overall talent have so many choices and you can hire really, really well and get them in the door. But if you don't have a positive school culture, they're going to be going out the back door in droves. So it's always been important. You and I know that we teach on it all the time, but today's labor force wants it more than ever. So those are the two trends that we're seeing right now. Why are people seeking a great place to work now more than ever, right? So again, it's it's always been like that. I mean, from yeah. the dawn of time, people want to work in a nice place. But why why now specifically after 2020, why is it more important? Why are people yeah. seeking? So about a quarter of workers, people in the labor force in the United States actually switched jobs in 2020 yeah. and in early 2021. So a quarter, I mean, think about the, the huge shift, all the companies are dealing with all of this turnover. People are seeking a better life. They're seeking a place that they can make a difference and that they feel valued more than ever. You know, they're kind of like, I'm fed up. The pandemic really showed me what life really means and how life is so fragile. And so I want to go work in a place where there's excellent leadership, excellent um, benefits, a happy environment, a great culture, and where I'm valued and where I'm making a difference. So schools have a great opportunity here to market themselves. And that's one of the tips I'm going to give as a place where they can make a difference versus retail, fast food, or other, you know, more transient jobs. But that's why it's so important. People are looking for culture and core values that align with their, with themselves. Yeah. I feel like quality of life has become something that people no longer want to put in the back burner for one day when I'm older and when I deserve 
quote unquote quality of life. Like exactly. people want it now mm-hmm. when they're young, when they're raising their families, whatever it is, like they want a good life now. They don't want to have to wait for it. So I love that. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. So when I, you know, typically look at a forecast, you know, we, we could look at forecasting in so many different ways. And typically, we look at it f- with from a financial forecast kind of way, right? I'll go to my CFO, tell me my cash flow forecast, tell me what's coming, right? Because the forecast informs decision making. And so I would love to hear from you, you know, when you're looking at this forecast, how does what you're seeing in the forecast help leaders make better decisions, wise decisions that will help them in the long term? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm forecasting is that the labor market has loosened up slightly. And so hiring pressures should ease the good. There's really good news here, which is that in July (laughs) and August, there were more people returning to the workforce in the United States at any rate than than there have been. So the, the participation working among women aged 25 to 54 is the highest it's been since 2000. And so the data suggests that employers are going to find it easier to hire, especially over the next six to nine months. So I really predict that we'll start to hopefully have less pain around this topic, (laughs) which is always a hot topic for all of our folks that we serve. And so the hiring war is going to become somewhat easier. But at the same time, ECE jobs are still not as attractive because people have so many options and they really still want to work from home a little bit. So my other forecast is that if you can figure out a way to pull in some work from home Mm. um, duties into a job description for a teacher, so she can potentially take Friday off, work from home, work on lesson planning, do some Zoom classes for kids, do some um, cultural components, project-based work at home, then you can free her up to have more flexibility and she'll be more likely to stay with you long-term because you're giving her that work from home, just a little bit component. Maybe she helps you with your social media. You know, there's so many things that teachers can do out of the classroom too. And I think that we need to think differently about how we're structuring our jobs in our schools. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you're bringing this up, right? Because if we want... The, the, no one really, really knows what's going to end up happening, right? We're going to do our best to forecast. But ultimately, if we want to create a different environment, because we live in a different world right now, we have to think about things in a very different way. So talk. I, I would love if you can share a little bit more around how does an owner really help themselves get out of, no, it has to be this way. They all have to be in the building. They all have to do this, right? Yeah. How do we start to, to break ourselves free from that? A lot of it is based in a fear mindset. And we are constantly diving into what are your thoughts and your fears and your past experiences and beliefs around this issue? And how can you think, you know, invite yourself to think differently, brainstorm with your teams, get excited around this idea, how it could put a positive spin on it and be like, how could we make this an amazing win? Mm-hmm. Instead of being fear-based and thinking about it as I can't let my teacher, I have to meet ratio <laughs> and there's no way I could do that. So yeah. it's like yeah. taking that closed thinking mm-hmm. and just, just baby step opening it up just a little bit and sharing with each other in the industry and, and, you know, working with coaches and advisors too, to just work on your mindset. Because I think a lot of leaders are stuck in, this is the way it has to be. And that's just pretty much all it's mindset. And it it typically is a fearful thing. Maybe they got taken advantage of in some way by a team member or, you know, all of those bad experiences 
come back, flooding back into their heart and their head. And we have to let those things go and try to move forward into the new age because this is not going to change. This is this is the world we live in now. We all lived through a pandemic and we all want to have a great life with flexibility for doctor's appointments, taking care of our kids, calling our mom, popping home to do, you know, what have you. So I think that we as employers need to respect that and give more flexibility to our teams as well. Before I dive into some action steps, I, I'd love if we could take this mindset thing a little bit further if you're open to it. Because sure. I, I, no one else, none of the other um, guests are really talking on it's this. It's my and favorite I, topic. I know. Um, I was just so I, say, <laughs> and I think you are the perfect person to dive a little bit deeper into this for us. So a lot of the hesitations that I find owners have around opening their mind is they're like, but but this has served me, but it's worked for me, but it but it got me to where I am today. Sure. And so letting go of that and inviting such a different thing is there's so much resistance to it. It's because it's terrifying. How do you guide someone who says, but it's worked for me, but it does still work in certain, right? Because you can always find the confirmation bias, right? No, but it works over here, but it works over here. Right. How, how do we let go of that? Well, I think part of it is being in, a peer group where you're sharing mm -hmm. ideas and you see models and yeah. examples of other people in your space that are doing these things and you're watching other people in your industry having success with it. So that's one thing is just having those models in front of you and it's like proof in the pudding. Well, she could do it, yes. I could do it. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's great support, mm -hmm. but we have to guide people. What I do is basically say, okay, you've got fear and you've got emotion around this issue. So there needs to be some processing of the emotions that are pulling you down around this issue. And it's not usually so much, well, it worked for me. It's usually I'm scared to do the other thing because of the unknown. And so what are the fears that you're feeling? Sit with it. And what's the worst that could happen? That's what I ask people a lot. Yeah. Like, well, let's play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? So you're limiting yourself based on the worst that could happen focus on what you really want and what the best is that could happen. And just, if you keep focusing on, on the good stuff, the positivity, the good yeah. results, you're going to be much likely to manifest that good result. And the, the bad stuff and the fear will, will go away over time, but you have to really dive into the emotions that are making you feel that way. And maybe somebody did stab you in the back, or maybe something, somebody said, you can't do that. And so you have to question it like, yeah. Hmm, could I do that? I think I could do that. So you just, it's just a, a flip. I call it flipping yeah. the script. Yeah. Um, and because the script was handed to us from early childhood conditioning and from our, yeah. our past experiences. So we have to like look at that script that's in our head and work to start to try to flip it. I have one more question on mindset. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think it's, it's so important. So we, when, when leaders create kind of their budgets for the year, right? And they're looking at, okay, I need, you know, this is costing more money and now I want to do this and I want to do a remodeling and I, I want to do this and I want to do that. One of the last things that hit the budget or basically never hit the budget is mindset coaching or just someone to guide and feed the leader's brain. Right? I know all the reasons why it's the last thing on the budget, but when we look at the forecast, why is it so important for a leader? It doesn't matter where they go, why they need to dedicate to someone fueling their brain and their mindset and how they're approaching um, strategic decision-making? Yeah, so great question. Um, I highly recommend courses, 
books, podcasts, and a series of resources that you guys can gather. I mean, I, I always give a ton. I'm sure you give a ton. Yeah, and yeah. having that list of resources, and it doesn't even have to cost anything. It can be, sure. we're going to do a mindset book club, like a fun, you know, growth mindset book club in our school. And we're going to have a book once a quarter. You can listen to it on Audible if you're not a reader. You can, you know, read it on Kindle, whatever. And we're going to do a quarterly evening book club. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it's a Zoom with a, a mocktail or a cocktail. Maybe it's, yeah. you know, part of your staff meeting once a quarter or once a month. So having that accountability to each other and sharing your minds, what you're learning and growing in your mindset. And I actually co-wrote a, a book on that. So yeah. it's, it's a growth mindset based book for teachers. Yeah. And, um, and it's called so, the happiness something. What's it called? Yeah, it's the happiness guide for early right, educators. Yeah. Yeah, 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 with myself and Brian Dupre. So thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's one idea that's really free. And then another mm -hmm. idea is just having, um, as part of your professional development plan, looking out at courses, coaching. Uh, there's a lot of apps. There's some really cool staff mindset apps that are mm -hmm. almost free. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like Mind Valley would be, and that's not free, but that's a great one. And you, you guys yeah. all could do courses on Mind Valley, for example, as part of your professional development budget. So if you tie it into your professional development, then you'll, you won't forget to actually have it. Do it yourself. I, yeah. 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 I love that. You know, I, I, um, my team this year, we're having a big focus on helping everyone on the team build their own personal boundaries and just get better at that. And so, um, as a company, we're taking a boundaries course. Um, and so we're all going to be learning together how to develop better boundaries. Like, especially I, I know as with the pandemic and as a mom of four kids, like my boundaries went all out the window. It was like, come one, come all. Yeah. Right. And so there's right. such an adjustment period for me to like rebuild all of those boundaries that I, that I so need to take care of myself. Um, so I, I love uh, your idea of um, doing it as a company because then you will do it, right? Um, there's always an excuse why you don't have time, but if you're doing it with the team, it's like, all right, well, I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to do it with you guys. Yeah. Um, what are, you know, there's, there's, there's always so many things we could do um, and we only have a finite amount of time. Um, what are some concrete action steps that you would recommend for our owners to help them jumpstart the new year. You know, the time of this release of this podcast will be the first week of December. What are what are some things you recommend, Chris? Yeah, so uh, kind of back to the one that I talked about, about making the teaching job a little bit more of a hybrid approach where you do have some work from home and you have some flexibility for, you're diving in, every teacher has an area of a zone of genius. And so you're helping figure out what her or his zone of genius is and how can she contribute in a, in a higher, better way, as well as in the classroom, outside of the classroom to the organization. So that's one is folding that into your job descriptions, which will make it more attractive to continue to win the hiring war. And again, it will, I think it will ease, but I yeah. think we still yeah. have to be totally best practice. We have to pay right. We have to be competitive. We have to have great perks and benefits. It's a huge one. Yeah. And so that that's an action step is just to, continue to look at your hiring funnel and look at how many applicants are you getting to fill those spots and are you being able to stay fully staffed for the long term that's what i want for everyone in this industry number one number two also around that is just always be hiring you know you can't really take your foot off the gas no. when it comes to the investments that you're making in your indeed ads and looking at all the different ways and places to be hiring um, and so you're actively marketing your school to your best applicant avatar. You're really diving into 
who are my A and B employees and my D and not, you know, D minus employees and people that just aren't finding value anymore, giving value to the organization. And they belong to the, you have to re-gift them to the universe and pull in new employees that are going to be vibrant, that are going to continue to make your culture really, really strong. And so actively marketing your school as a place to work. And people, yeah. when they hear that, they're like, oh, I, I, always, I never thought about marketing my school on a hiring perspective. Sure. I always thought about it to families and for children, but not. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a different way of thinking about yeah. your hiring and being like, what does your brand look like to a potential applicant, to a potential yeah. teacher? That's what you have to put their glasses on mm-hmm. and look back at your school and go, how is my brand really showing up in the marketplace? So that, that would be the probably the biggest action step. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Chris. Chris, where can people go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing uh, in the childcare world now? Yes. So our main website is childcaresuccess.com. And I also wanted to mention that we also, I have a sister company where we do done for you recruitment and hiring. And so if you, yeah. So if you want this all done for you, you just want like applicants on a silver platter. We also do that. And that's at my sister company, which is grow your center. So you can just go there, book a call and learn more about all the services that we do at Grow Your Center. But coaching, training, courses, books, all of that stuff is at childcaresuccess.com and my podcast. I love it. And we'll have all of the links that Chris shared with us in the show notes. You guys can go check it out. Chris, thanks so much for joining us here. Always great to chat with you. And and thanks for your perspective and your wisdom. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Connie. And I have loved being here. So I'd love to kick us off with all of our guest speakers are talking about the trends, the forecasting and some action steps to really help our childcare owners and leaders best prepare for 2023. We all know whether you are blind to the news or not. We all know what kind of economy we're currently living in, the government that we're under and just kind of what's happening in the landscape around the world. And so this series is really about preparing and coming from a place of solutions as opposed to a place of doom and gloom. So I'd love for you to kick us off, Nick, with what are some of the trends that we're seeing specifically in marketing that is going on in the industry right now? So one of the biggest ones I think that's on everyone's lips right now is around the impact of social media. Okay. So I don't know if you know this yet, but it's been recently announced that TikTok has now become the biggest platform in the world. Now, We all knew it would probably overtake Facebook. We knew it was going to overtake other platforms, but we didn't know it was going to overtake Google, okay? So it's now, that just goes to show already in such a, you know, an early development. You know, it's only a very young company, but if you look at that, it's now become the number one platform worldwide, which again, if you think about that, it's all based around video. So people want information quickly. The problem is, we are bombarded with too much information. That's the big <laughs> issue. Yeah. We now need to start about well, thinking about quality content. What quality content are we actually putting out there? So one of the big, the other big things we've seen as a result of that, because video is now becoming more prevalent, one of the issues we have in here is that just being able to put up some images online doesn't have that same kind of impact anymore. Mm-hmm. We're seeing sites that have 120,000 followers on them but their average image post is getting between six and eight likes, which is crazy. If yeah. you think about that, you know, yeah. in terms yeah. of where that was maybe two years ago. Um, so, so video is the big thing right now. And it's just surprising how much content people are consuming online. Uh, so it's really, really important. I think the, the other big thing we're seeing as well is people are starting to realize that 
you don't have much time to impress people. So we need to make sure that the information that we do provide is really short, sharp, and concise. So that, that's the, the big trends we're seeing right now. I love that. I love that. So I know when childcare owners hear anything around more to-dos, like, oh, now I need to go create videos. Oh, now I need to go do this. Like, I have so many things I already need to do. So before we go into action steps, because I, I really think it's important to understand the context and the landscape and the data before we even go into what you're actually going to do. So Nick, tell us a little bit about what you're forecasting as we enter 2023 when it comes to the go-to-market strategy from an acquisition standpoint, whether that's acquisition with enrollment or acquisition with your staffing and enrollment. They're both acquisition, just two different kinds of acquisition. What are you forecasting is really going to be happening in the market? So it, you, we've seen a lot now around position yourself as the local expert, okay? And that's the big mm -hmm. thing we're talking to people a lot about. And we're starting to see people do this. So I won't mention any of the big chains out there, but if you look at some of those larger chains now, have a look at, I would just guide you guys to start to look at what they're starting to do, okay? They are significantly ahead in terms of the, the content that they've started to put out. Granted, it's not quite there yet, but if you look at any type of industry marketing leaders in the marketing world, they are at least 12, 18 months ahead of the childcare sector. So one of the big things you'll start to see is it's very, very sharp, concise content that people are putting out there. So for me, it's all about we need to make sure position ourselves as a local expert and we provide content that helps us stand out from the competition. The problem mm -hmm. we've seen is so many people are doing the same as everyone else. Okay. Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the biggest challenges. It's like, well, we see a website. Oh, I want my website to look like that. We see a, a social post. I want my social post to look like that. And the problem is, if you think about this, when you're scrolling through your phone or you're looking on a computer, you're seeing the same thing over and over and over. And the big thing we need to start to say to people is, look, we need to stop the scroll. We need to stop people to spend time on our content. So we're starting to see now this big shift in terms of less information, more concise information, just get straight to the point. So... When an owner is listening to this and they're th thinking to themselves, okay, I need to create content, I need to enroll, I need to hire, I need to do all the things. Can you give us some guidelines into what is the first bucket of content? What are the types of content that owners should be creating as they're looking at their content strategy for 2023 or, or essentially yeah. their marketing strategy, which sits you know, under the content strategy? So let, let's let's take the staff inside, okay? Because again, yeah. they, as you mentioned, it's it's all acquisition, whether you're looking for sure. families or staff. So sure. one of the biggest things here we need to think about is, well, what are you currently doing and what is everyone else doing in the market? And typically you'll find people might be running ads on job websites, okay? Platforms like Indeed. What we need to think about is, well, how can we do that differently? So when I'm running ads, we need to stop using the same stock images over and over again, okay? Because the audience that we are going out to are seeing the same individuals on these images over and over again. So what we need to focus on is putting out content that's relevant to us, okay? So what we're seeing is rather than just running basic job ads and what we're recommending people to do is dial their content in to raise their hand and stretch that bit further, okay? So in other words, when you're putting out a job website, uh, putting out a new job application, don't just put out a job application the same as everyone else. If you're limited on time, just try and make the job application look a little bit differently. So I'll give you a quick example. Whenever we put out a job application or job vacancy, we will never start with a job description. 
we focus on selling ourselves first, okay? So it's really, really important to think about why are you different? Because if you look at a standard job description, it's yeah. all about the job description. Sure, this sure, is the sure. pay, this is what you're going to get, here's what we expect you to do. Let's do it differently because think how many childcare vacancies there are online right now and they're seeing the same thing over and over and over. So when you do, this is a very simple thing you can do. When you put those job applications out there, start with why should someone come and work for you? Because what we need to realize is we need to be selling our business, you know, as in staff come to work for us, just as much as we need to be selling the vacancies in our childcare center. We need to be selling ourselves way more. Unfortunately, it is an employer's market, right? An employee's market. They are having much more opportunities than us. They can be very selective where they decide to go. So what I want to encourage people to do, raise your hand as high as you can, stretch that bit further, and be prepared to put in a bit more work to differentiate yourselves. Once we've done the job ads, they are very simple to do, okay? The next thing is, where are we taking people to apply? So all the things we recommend our clients do right now is create a mini website, we call them a sales funnel, where mm -hmm. we actually take them to a whole breakdown about our childcare center and yeah. all the benefits, all the reasons why they should come and work for us, okay? So we'll include things such as videos about all the different positions we have, all the reasons, the story behind our center. You know, one of the big things I try and focus in on, particularly if it's a family-run center, is focus on the family element. Focus on your personality. You know, showcase that. You can't do those things if you're simply using a job description, okay? So we, we had a client interview this week, and they said, oh, we're struggling to, to recruit. And we had a look at some local competition, and a lot of them were big chains doing the same thing with the same standard job descriptions. I said, I want you to put out a video. And they were struggling to recruit a cook. Um, so they wanted a cook in their childcare center. I said, I want you to do a funny video, okay? I want you guys to get, you know, dressed up as if you're the chefs. I want you to put some flour and, you know, different ingredients all over yourselves. And I want you to put a video out there, just one minute, talking about we need help. We really need some help. We need someone to come in and cook for us. And just a funny little video that show, number one, shows their personality. It's going to stop people scrolling. Okay? Yeah. And people are going to share that video. Okay. And the great thing about that is that one simple video will take one minute to do. So go back to your point you raised earlier. People are busy. Yes, they are busy. But isn't running a business all about having fun and enjoyment too? So create a simple video that shows your personality, shows what you're about. If you're a very relaxed, family-run environment, reflect that in your videos. Showcase mm -hmm. about what you do. Mm -hmm. The ladies now, they've gone away, and hopefully I can share it soon. But it's really funny what they've created. So I uh, love it. I'm like, I have this, my creative imagination has gone to a lot of different places. So I'm, I'm curious to know what it looks like. Yeah. So... I think, again, the, the big goal of this series is not to feel overwhelming for our leaders, right? We really want them to take some stock of the market, understand what the data is telling them, understand what the forecast is, and then say, okay, what is my one or two things that I want to do based on what Nick is sharing with me, based on what's happening here? So before you give us some action steps, Nick, what is a reflective question or kind of an audit that an owner can make in their mind around what their current marketing strategy is? Like, how do they even understand if this is something they need to do, right? Because we could say, yeah, we need to do all the things, but we're one person and there's only so many hours and so much money we can invest in our business. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing to look at is where's the pain point. So a lot of centers I'm speaking to right now are telling me, hey, we've got vacancies available for children, but we don't have the staff to be able to bring those in. Okay, well, focus your attention right now around the recruitment side. Okay, well, let's look at what's currently in place and just do a simple audit around what are we doing compared to the other centers locally to us? Are we doing the same thing as them? So a simple audit around are we the same? Are we comparative to what everyone else is doing? And they'll probably find 90% of the time what they're doing is exactly the same as what everyone else is. So I just want to encourage people to take stock of that and then start to think about, well, what can we do a little bit differently? What can we do to stand out? That's going to take a huge amount of time. This is similar to the example I just made about the one-minute video. Show that personality. Just create a simple video because you don't need people to go through lengthy application processes. You just want to get people that are attracted to your personality, that are attracted about what you believe in, your visions, your values, your, you know, your mission, and just make the process really, really simple for them. I think yeah. sometimes people are very guilty of overcomplicating things. Yeah, we like to. It makes us feel smart. Um, so we overcomplicate it. We're like, oh, I have this 19-step complex funnel. It's like, no, just make it like three steps. Like, boom, boom, exactly. boom, we're done and we're in. So, and I love that. And you and I talk about that all the time. Like, you know, what you guys do is take all this complexity and really try to make it as simple as possible. Yeah. So, Nick, what are some quick action steps that you would recommend based on, again, the forecast of video really dominating TikTok, really kind of owning the space? It's so funny because I remember when TikTok first started and Gary Vee, you know, who's notorious for these kinds of predictions, he's like, this is going to be the biggest thing. This is going to be the next thing. It's going to be bigger than Google. And I've already learned to believe him when he says things like that, because I think nine out of 10 times he nails his forecast. So when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it came true. So tell us, tell us what our leaders should be doing. So I think what what I love about video, first of all, it's very, very simple. It's very easy to create. But I want to give an example that I, I share with a lot of people. You know, we've all had families, parents, carers that are probably not our ideal customer. And think about this. So maybe if you're a childcare center and you do a lot of outdoor education, the last thing you want is a family that doesn't want their child to be outdoors in winter. So take that scenario. And what we have to think about here is the great thing about video content is if you're sharing maybe your top three tips on how to, you know, get your child to read or how to get your child to do more, to be more physically active or, you know, how to play with other children. If you're basing your content around your values, your beliefs, what you're going to find is you're going to attract more of the same like-minded individuals, okay? So start to create, if you're going to do these videos, create the content outside because what it's going to do is attract families that are create, that are attracted to, you know, that nature being outside a lot more than the families that don't want their children's uh, should be outside. So we encourage our clients to say, hey, when you're giving your top three tips, you know, here at ABC Childcare Center, we do a lot of outdoor education. We encourage our children to be outside. And what's going to happen is you're going to attract a lot more of the ideal families that you want and potentially put off some of those families that you don't want. So keep it basic, keep it simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. You're not going to do one video and it's going to, you know, take off. It's not going to go viral. Exactly. But I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. We try and say, well, one we video is not going to be perfect. We want, exactly. it, we want that first video to be perfect and go viral. Exactly. And, and it doesn't work. It's just about taking action. Just take action. Start to recreate, to create videos. I remember when we launched Childcare Business Growth, a gentleman said to me, well, you shouldn't be the face of Childcare Business Growth. And he was interviewing me in front of 350 people live at that time. 
And he said, you shouldn't be the face of childcare business growth. Now, the very first thing he said to me, and if we hold on to those beliefs around what are people thinking about us, you know, and worrying about that, that's one of those things that actually prevent us getting things out the door. So I want to encourage you guys, just start to create videos, start to share your story. So I tell people about your background, share examples of your team, share examples of your families and start to give valuable, helpful information. It's not going to appeal to everyone. That's fine. What it's going to do is start to repel those families that are not attracted to you. And it's going to bring those other families that are attracted to you a lot closer. I love that. I love that. Nick, where can people go to find out more information about you, about childcare business growth, about what you guys are doing in the childcare world? So the main one for us is the website, which is childcarebusinessgrowth.com. And you can search us if you want more mini videos. So practice what we preach is over on YouTube and you, you'll see lots of our video content over there. I hope you enjoyed part one of the ECE forecast, working together with childcare experts to bring you the very best forecast for 2023 and really be able to set you up for success. Um, I'm sure, actually confident that throughout today's episode, you were able to glean some really interesting insights, hopefully some disruption in your thinking and your mindset and some powerful takeaways that can really help you set your business and childcare up for success in 2023. So I want to share with you a little bit about what's coming. So next week is part two of the 2023 ECE forecast. We're going to be covering leadership, culture, and branding with some more amazing industry experts as well. And the other thing I wanted to share with you is we have open applications again for our directors in our circle and our owners HQ program. A lot of you have been thinking about joining a coaching program or a community, a place where you can really up level who you are as a leader and how you want to show up in the world. And so if you've been thinking about 2023 is my year, this is the year that I get out of overwhelm. This is the year that I figure out my time, my schedule. This is the year that I focus on accountability with my leadership team. This is the year that I hire a leadership team. This is the year that I stop working in the business so much. This is the year that I work on mission, vision, and values. Whatever it is for you, if you are looking to stop the cycle that you've been on until now and 2023 is a year that you're up leveling into the leader that you've always been meant to be then check the link in the show notes would love to, for you to apply for our directors in our circle our owners hq program we'll hop on a call we'll see if you're a good fit looking forward to connecting with you all right thanks so much for joining us for part one and looking forward for you to join us in part two Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.